Good morning, guys. Y'all go ahead and stand up and worship with us. Please. 
Dear Lord, thank you for being a God that is unstoppable. Thank you that Satan nor us can get in the way of the plans that you have for us. Pray that uh, this morning um, you'll just speak to us through Joe, speak to us through the music, um, and that we'll get to know you a little more. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen.
Good morning. I want to welcome, welcome y'all to Memorial United Methodist Church. My name is Joe Kate. I'm the minister here. I'm so grateful that you've uh, come to worship with us today. I want to show you one thing before we start with our announcements, and actually part of our announcements. This is our brand new website. It's a collaboration of our staff and Adam Wycliffe, and staff will be updating their pages all the time with the most recent information so that our website will actually be a helpful front door to our church before people ever visit. Here's the thing that's the key. If you're wondering, wait now, where is anything? There's three lines in the top right of the picture. And if you click on those three lines, everything is categorized according to our practices. So Radical Hospitality, I know that's not very big font, but it says Radical Hospitality, Passionate Worship, Intentional Faith Development, Risk-Taking Mission and Service, Extravagant Generosity, and CEP, which is our Child Enrichment Program. And so you'll see those categories, you'll get accustomed to where things are, but primarily when y'all watch videos and things of our two services, they're in the specific page of that service, the 9 o'clock page or the 11 o'clock page. Uh, so make sure you check that out. Make sure you see if there's any edits. I said last week we looked at it way too much and it's hard to see um, because you, you're right in the middle of it. If y'all see anything that you think we should alter or change, um, just let us know that. We're thinking about a simple guest button um, that uh, would show you very, uh, very small details. Um, I'm going to tell you one thing, and then our children's director, Aaron, is going to tell you a number of things. Um, we are not going to do pumpkins this year. And I know that might be um, disappointing. Um, it's because of very good things that we're doing. On October 16th, we're hosting a bishop in the United Methodist Church, which is a pretty big deal. He's going to be in our Sunday school hour in our 11 o'clock service, Bishop Williman, the author of the book that we're reading. On October 23rd, uh, we're saying farewell to Paige in our services, which is uh, sad, but we hope that we make that fun. On the 29th, we're hosting a craft fair for Greer Relief. We'll be here in the gym. They'll be taking over the gym, doing all sorts of crazy stuff. On October 30th, we have the Fall Festival, and we have what's called Charge Conference. Our district superintendent will be here to handle all of our details for next year. So it's about to be a crazy 45 days. And so we made that tough call, but I hope the other stuff that we're doing uh, is fun enough uh, that Aaron's going to talk about. Good morning. I am Erin Knight. I'm the Director of Children and Family Ministries. And just a few announcements this morning. One, the Fall Festival that Joe mentioned will be October 30th from 5 to 6.30. I hope you'll all come. Uh, I'll be sending out a sign-up genius looking for volunteers to help with that in the next week or so. Also, if you want to, do to donate individually wrapped prizes, whether that's candy or some other treat, um, I'm going to have a basket at the um, check-in desk for the next couple of weeks so that there's an easy place you can find to donate those. And we appreciate anything you can bring. No peanuts, please. Do we do have some allergies? Um, next is the Supper at 6, um, coming up on October 5th. We're going to have some really talented musicians with us, the James Brothers, who sing a cappella gospel music. Um, I found them by searching online and looking for who everybody was talking about. So I think they're going to be very good, very entertaining. Um, that dinner, of course, is at 6 on October 5th. If you are interested in attending, you can either click the registration link you should have gotten by email, or you can just write in your... Um, uh, roster this morning your name and that you're interested in the supper and how many people and if any of them are children. Um, also the menu for that will be um, 
chicken and wild rice or meatloaf will have options, and then chicken fingers grilled or fried for the kids. So a lot of choice this time, um, along with green beans, um, mac and cheese, and a chocolate cake. So that all sounds pretty good to me. Uh, hope you'll join us then. And one other thing for the children tonight, um, we're asking them to count all the stuffed animals in their house, all the, all the stuffed animals they own, and for each one of those, bring in a nickel. That is to support Zoe Ministries, uh, an outreach effort to um, educate and empower orphans in Africa who uh, need a source of income, so they learn agricultural skills. The kids have raised $29 so far, and we're looking to get 50 so we can buy a plow for the children uh, of Zoe. So thanks for all your help. I'm sorry. That's my fault. I'll tell you one more thing. Uh, my office has moved. Uh, if you ever came to my office, it was in the social hall building. And we've made that a conference room uh, to have groups of 12 uh, meet in there without having to claim the social hall. It's a much better room. We've also pulled a ton of stuff off the hallway to make it clean and simple. Uh, my office is now actually on the second floor of the sanctuary beside um, Kevin Duncan's Sunday school class name is Cross Trainers. I'm actually beside the Cross Trainers. I want to give you the opportunity to raise your hand and get a prayer concern card. You can share, uh, uh, our usher will share that card with you and a pencil. And if you'll write down your prayer concern and then place it in the offering basket, it will not only be used uh, for our Tuesday prayer group, um, but it will also be uh, placed in the bulletin next Sunday so that we may all pray for you. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we thank you for this space, for this time. away from the things that distract us, away from the things that upset us, away from the things uh, that entertain us, so that we can focus on your word. Open our hearts and minds to your message for us this day. Help us to understand the disciples, their place in your son's world, their struggles, and how that we feel those same struggles. Help us to feel the overwhelming joy of Jesus' resurrection as they did. Help us to find our mission anew. Help us to find clarity as they did on the side of a mountain. Inspire us this morning, Lord, as we pray the prayer your Son taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We're in the midst of a series in which we're reading a book by Bishop Will Willimon, who's coming on October 16th. It's called Fear of the Other. He talks about another, a number of fears that come to us naturally and then a number of fears that are forced on us by our leaders to get us to do whatever they want us to do. It really captures how we can understand them, channel them, and actually do a great deal of good with them 
And so with that in mind, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 28, verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had them go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. So let's look at your first uh, word of the day. Eleven. That's significant. It's significant because we're down one. We're down one because Judas sold Jesus out in Jerusalem. And there are two different stories as to how Jesus, Judas left this earth. Neither were happy. And both of them were in brokenness of having taken Jesus to the authorities and told him where he would be. So on the one hand, I'm thinking the disciples, the remaining 11, feel relief. You ever feel relief when um, someone is no longer inhibiting a process that you're trying to do? It's called addition by subtraction. When you're looking for a person to be part of your group, part of your team, part of your um, employment, first thing you're looking for is, can this person be trusted? Can this person be trusted to hold confidential information, to hold ideas that we're um, uh, trying to figure out but can't tell people yet? until we get them more fleshed out and make them uh, make more sense. The second thing you want is a fit. If we can trust this person and this person can fit within our team, then maybe they can be part of it. But if they can't be trusted, maybe they don't fit, then it's really going to be a struggle for them to participate and they're going to hold you back. So on the one hand, I'm thinking those guys are feeling relief. But on the other hand, I'm thinking these guys are feeling concern. We're down one now. And out of 13 people, including Jesus, two of our 13 have died in this mission, in this purpose, in this drive to bring the gospel to the people. Now, Jesus is resurrected, but two of our people have died. Uh, and now we're down one, and there's so many more other people. In middle school, I played, I think it was in the 11th grade, on a church basketball team that had four people. We just, we were, uh, I think we had six total on our team, and two were out that weekend, and we played a team with ten. And when the team with ten's coach graciously said, I can give you two or three of my players, and we'll just cancel this one, we'll win, but we'll, at least we'll get to play a basketball game. My coach said, uh, we're good. We're going to go with four. And we played neck and neck all game long into the second half, and we actually ended in a tie went to overtime. We played five minutes of overtime and ended in a tie. And every break, to his credit, to that coach's credit of now, um, as a basketball coach, I get this, he would sub his five, whole five in, whole five out, because he was going to make sure everybody played that game. And so every two or three minutes, five fresh new people would come off the bench to play against the four of us. In basically a box. We played a box and sometimes we twitched the box to a diamond. Those, those were our two defensive <laughs> formations, okay? And in that second overtime, we were, we were just out of gas. We didn't have anything left and lost by five or six. So when you think, well, um, this person in total fun, but at least they were in a spot, these guys are now 11 and Jesus is about to leave them. So they're down two. So let's look at your second phrase, the mountain. I pointed out mountains many times. This is, uh, I always keep a number here. This is my 60-second sermon at Memorial. 
and I probably pointed out mountains seven, eight times and their significance. And I point them out to the kids and to the youth all the time as well, especially because we see them. And I'll point to them, and the kids in chapel will go, huh? Looking around. The significance of mountains throughout the entire Bible is just critical. And these disciples are now with Jesus on the side of a mountain in a place of renewal. Now, why, why do they need to be renewed? Because they struggled with attention. Sometimes they were listening to what he said. Sometimes they weren't listening to what he said. They struggled with humility. Sometimes even in the midst of his own terrible brokenness, they said, hey, can I sit right there? And he sit right here? That'd be great. Especially in eternity. I want to sit right beside you. They struggled with attention, humility. They struggled with endurance. Can you please tell these people to go home? Tell them to go home. I'm tired. We don't have enough to feed them. We don't have enough to do anything with these people. They struggled with fear. That was pretty much the last thing they struggled with as Jesus was going through those streets, those narrow streets in Jerusalem. And I've um, been fortunate enough to be there. If you... Um, you know, like, if you've ever walked down the middle of the market in Charleston, in the heart of it, I'm talking about the real season of it and all those vendors, you just multiply that by 35 and put two levels on it, at least. I saw two levels. And all these people are there just like they would be, actually for an enormous holiday weekend that's religious for them. And Jesus is going through that town and he's being persecuted and he's on his way to the cross and his disciples are stepping back. Not making fun of them. A whole lot of us would step back. A whole lot of us would struggle. So attention, humility, endurance, and fear. And we're starting over on the side of a mountain. The significance of the disciples doing that is that people have done that since God has existed and humans have existed. God has taken people who needed to reset, who needed to figure it out, up there to say, let's start over. Let's recalibrate. Let's find our energy again. The last phrase for this short text is uh, worship and doubt. Some worshiped him and some doubted. Good thing we've moved on from that, right? No, we struggle. We who worship all the time still struggle with doubt over whether Jesus can do something about our health or whether he can do something about our loved one's health or whether we can get this job or whether our loved one can get this job, whether this church is going to thrive, whether this community is going to do what it's going to do. If we were still in a farming culture, agriculture uh, dominated our life, we'd be worrying about the weather, obsessed about the weather. And can God help us with the weather so that we'll have crops and so we can survive? Worship and doubt captures this gospel and really captures all the Gospels. Mark ends his Gospel in uncertainty. People just leave. That's the end of the story. Luke ends his Gospel in a clear... You ever watch a movie and you know, wait a minute now, this is about to wrap up, and there's a whole lot more of this story to tell, and there's clear there's going to be a cliffhanger, and that cliffhanger is going to lead into the next story. Luke clearly leads into Acts. John uh, says something I think is fascinating. None of the other Gospels do. He says, and there's a whole lot more stories that I can't even tell you now. But I'm telling you, it's amazing. It is amazing what Jesus did. This is the way Matthew ends his story. With Jesus taking his disciples 
up on a mountain to recommission them for work. Let's look at verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Does that sound familiar? That's the liturgy that we use in the United Methodist Church. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So your first phrase is, therefore, go. Therefore, go. Critical to go up that mountain. It means a lot to go up that mountain. You've got to go up there to get renewed. It's critical to come back down. Therefore, go out in the community, he says. This is one of the last things said in this gospel. You know what the first thing said in Matthew is? It's something very few people would ever want to read in public in a Bible study or a class. It's the genealogy. And it says, Eliphaz, son of Ahab, Ahab, son of Elihu, Elihu, son of son of it's Islam. The significance of that genealogy in chapter 1 of Matthew is so that readers of that gospel who wonder if Jesus is connected to their ancient faith will say, oh yeah, absolutely he's connected because his father was connected. So a gospel that starts by saying we are deeply connected to your ancient Jewish culture and history and theology is now in the commission on the other end in chapter 28 saying, so now that you know that, we're going to branch way out from that. We're going to go way out from that geographically and theologically and uh, whatever hospitality word would be for that. Reaching out to people who are not with us. He says these three things uh, is your next phrase. Make disciples, baptize, and teach. Think about the percentage of time Jesus spent in those fields of ministry. If there was a pie chart, be pretty significant. He didn't waste a whole lot of time. At least in the versions that we read of what he did, he was doing one of these three things consistently. Many times with people who had nothing to do with church, you know, if our churches grow by 200, 300, and they come from other people in other churches, we don't care. Our numbers are up. He's adding to the total number of believers on this earth. People who had nothing to do with them. Nothing to do with religion. Disciples, baptize, and teach. There's so many distractions. And he could have lost focus. But Jesus remained focused. But guess what? Now he's leaving. Now he is leading these disciples on this mountain. And they're asking our last phrase, what are we to do now? With you gone. Judas gone. Okay, that's cool. He wasn't that big a deal. And he sort of impeded our progress. But you're leaving? We've already suffered through your leaving. We've already navigated the crazy confusion of your resurrection and being with us again. And now you're leaving again. And the motions are riding like this. I want you to see a quote uh, from Bishop Williman in the book. We are created for communion. Therefore, even in our isolation caused by fear, we yearn for embrace. Um, I talked with Kristen and Brad a little bit on the podcast about this, about television or books. 
we will go back to those entities because we feel a connection with the people in that story. You ever like to watch old television shows you watched from 35 years ago, 40 years ago, 50 years ago? Do you rewatch shows on Netflix that you've watched before? These people are in your uh, psyche, in your emotional uh, uh, bank, and by watching them, you feel connection. And when I experience something that causes me to feel a disconnection, some sort of anger or grumpiness or uh, brokenness in church life, and I leave the campus having known that we did not succeed today, we failed today, I'm most inclined to watch a show that I've watched before because even when I'm going away, there's something that I want that's connection. Bishop Williman saying, uh, even people who are quiet, people who are loud, people who are big time in the center of the group, people who are on the edge of the group, he says they want to be in communion. They want to be connected. And there's any number of ways that the church has harmed human beings. And when it harms them, they go away from it. And when they go away from it, the need for communion and connection does not go away. It's just the outlet's gone away. The portal by which we can feel it has gone away. So what have we got to do as a church? We've got to think, what are the ways, every way possible, that we can remove things that would hurt people? That we can establish connection with people? That we can pull them in? And that we can help them with that quote that Bishop Willeman's talking about? Think of the percentage of time that we spend in these three fields of ministry. Decide, making disciples, baptizing, and teaching. Our pie chart would not be as good as Jesus' pie chart. Sometimes we get upset. Sometimes we drag on about little details. Sometimes we uh, want to talk about what we want to talk about. Sometimes we're talking about colors. Sometimes we're talking about spaces. And while those are necessary, we really got to watch that pie chart. So my goal in our worship services, my goal in the gatherings that we have outside of worship services, my goal in recreating the website and doing the podcast and uh, asking our people to keep up with it is to create opportunities for connection. So what's your responsibility? Is to plug in as often as possible in the place that you feel right. Where is the place in this church that I can plug in and feel this connection? Because every single one of us has it. So many distractions that can cause us to lose focus. And even in the absence of Jesus, as he is leaving them on the mountain, he says these last words, and these are the words we're going to go with. Verse 20. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And be present with you. I can't change it for you. I can't remove every obstacle. But I would reach out for you just today, just as I did back then, just as God did before I was on this earth. And I will be striving for connection. Let us pray. Lord, when we see the mountains that surround our beautiful community, help us to remember how you have used them to call your people back. 
when we experience horrific distractions, when we experience illness and death, when we let our emotions get the best of us, call us back. Bring us to that place where we can recalibrate. When fear stops us, when fatigue stops us, when a lack of humility stops us, when we lose focus, draw us back. Help us to pursue connection ourselves and help us to try to connect to others so that your people will know you. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Please stand and join me in our modern affirmation. We believe in God the Father, infinite in wisdom, power, and love, whose mercy is all over his works, and whose will is directed to his children's good. We believe in Jesus Christ, Son of God and Son of Man, the gift of the Father's unfailing grace, the ground of our hope, and the promise of God fulfilled. We believe in the Holy Spirit as a divine presence in our lives, reminding us always of the truth of Christ, our inspiration and strength in times of joy and sorrow. We believe our faith should be apparent in our words of love and acts of service, that the kingdom of God may be a present reality here on earth. You may be seated. It's now time for our tithes and other offerings. If you haven't asked the attendance register, I encourage you to. And note the opportunity you have um, to register for the dinner.
again When death was arrested and my life began Please stand and sing with us.
when I hear the whole crowd singing. And I feel y'all getting into it. I'm going to ask the whole um, band to come out. We're going to end differently today. Um, it's because we're saying goodbye. And I'm sad about it, but I'm happy uh, for Daniel and his new opportunity. Just like we brought Ann out into the congregation, we're going to bring Daniel out into the congregation and uh, pray for him as he leaves us. Daniel's going to Florida. He's got an awesome new uh, job opportunity with his brother. I don't know what it's like to work with family. Y'all got any ideas about what it's like to work with family? Um, also, come on out here. Um, awesome new job, and uh, Paige will be following him there soon enough. So if y'all will come in from your rows a little bit towards the center, and we're going to uh, pray for Daniel on uh, his departure. Lord, we thank you uh, for everything that Daniel has meant to us and what he means to Paige. Uh, we ask that you use his uh, wisdom, his humble wisdom, his uh, awesome humor, his low heart rate in the life of the church uh, so that people may be touched and blessed by you. We ask that you bless his journey down the transition. All of us know that's hard. We ask that you bless his new job opportunity and working with his brother. And in the future, we ask that you bless um, their transition entirely as a couple, and that you be with them and uh, help them lead uh, people to your name. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen.